Hi everyone, and welcome to another sauntering podcast with me, Paul White. I'm coming to you from the beautiful town of Weymouth in Dorset by the sparkling blue sea. It never rains, it's always sunny. This podcast began during lockdown. We galloped through or sauntered through many, many books of the Bible now. I'm a disciple of Jesus and my job is to encourage you and encourage other people to walk with him. Today, I would like to just reflect a little bit about the the state of our own hearts in relation to Jesus. And so I was reading this morning from Luke chapter 22 and just looking at the, the, the circumstances surrounding the Last Supper. So this is Jesus. He says to his disciples, I really deeply, earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So this is not going to be by any means the first meal Jesus has had with his disciples. He, he will have had endless meals with the disciples. But there's something incredibly special about this. And in the heart of Jesus is this longing to have this special moment with his disciples and to help them understand and unpack the significance that has always been hidden away within the Passover meal about the lamb that was um, that had to die, that its blood had to be shed so that their sins could be dealt with before God. And the then the Passover blood was put on the doorpost, wasn't it? But this, this symbolism was always in there speaking about the lamb of God, Jesus himself, who would come and die to take away the sins of the world. And so he's now literally on the threshold of this actual moment where he will die and he wants to spend this last moment with them this last kind of moment of freedom if you like before the countdown really starts to the cross and so this is this is a most unique moment and it's a, such a privilege for these disciples to to be there with Jesus at this time but i guess probably their their understanding of that is still limited and the understanding of just exactly what momentous um things are about to take place they haven't really fully grasped that yet and and john in his version of the story tells us that before the meal jesus wrapped a towel around himself and he took on the posture of a servant. He got a bowl of water and he went round to each of the disciples, knelt down, took their feet in his on into his lap, washed them with the water, dried them with the towel. Incredibly intimate, incredibly close. Skin to skin contact with Jesus. But he's in the posture of a servant. He's kneeling in front of the ones who for three years have served him. 
And they all know that he's the boss. They all know he's the rabbi and they're, they're the students, they're the disciples. But he's modeling something and he says, now you've seen me do this. You need to do the same thing. Luke tells us the story slightly different. And he says that they came and they had this meal and Jesus broke the bread and said, this is my body given for you divide it among yourselves and then he takes the cup and or he says take the take this and divide it among yourselves for I tell you that from now on I will not drink the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes in he's saying this cup is the new covenant poured out for you in my blood and then he talks about the betrayal that's going to come from one of them around the table and I'm sure that's like this bombshell but Gosh, at this in this moment, Jesus is describing this sacrifice, this extreme moment that's coming up in his life, in his ministry, where he's literally, his blood is going to be poured out to establish a new eternal covenant between God and man. And then... In this, in just on the back of this moment of intimacy, this dispute breaks out. Luke tells us a dispute arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. <laughs> and you kind of think, hold on a minute, guys, are you not remotely perceiving what's happening here? You have got this precious, privileged access to the Messiah, the hope of generations. He's here with you. He's washed your feet. He's broken bread with you. He's told you about the new covenant. He's he's helped you understand what the Passover was always about. And yet now there's this dispute breaking out among them about who's going to be the greatest. And you kind of think, guys, oh my, how can you be so insensitive? How can you miss the point so dramatically? And Jesus lovingly explains to them and he says, listen, guys, who's the one who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? It is not. Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I'm among you as the one who serves. And he says, you've got to understand this whole thing is upside down. But what we see is that Jesus is revealing the shallowness and the shabbiness of our own hearts as they sit at the table with him and their their thoughts go to succession maybe who's going to be the boss after Jesus is gone and who's going to take charge of the ship and everything else and Jesus is saying guys look at my heart look at my heart I'm the greatest I'm the one who should be reclining at table but I'm the one who's washing your feet actually I'm among you as one who serves and this is the this is the reality and so Jesus is like this dazzling bright shining oh his heart is dazzling and bright and shining and pure and so lovely and it exposes all the trashy stuff that's in our own human hearts doesn't it and so there's something about coming to the table with Jesus and having and sharing communion with each other that actually in that moment somehow let us pause and let his beauty irradiate through us and reveal to us where our own hearts really are at in relation to our discipleship of him and or his discipleship of us 
I should say, I guess, um, and allow him to reveal those murky motives in those shabby areas of our hearts and just and in that moment of reflection that moment of communion with him let him judge us and purify us again and come to that place of repentance where we say Jesus oh man how can I pretend in your glorious presence that I'm farther on than I really am and then he addresses Peter and we have this profound statement he says Simon Simon behold Satan has demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail and when you have turned again strengthen your brothers Peter said to him Lord I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death and Jesus said I tell you Peter the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me this is one of the most uh, can you imagine being peter in that room everyone's talking about who's going to be the greatest and i'm sure peter thought you know what i've got a pretty good claim here i think i'm one of jesus's top three i'm probably the oldest i don't let's guess let's assume peter's the oldest we know who's older than john and I'm one of the top guys. I've been with Jesus when he's raised the dead, when he's, you know, and done all these incredible things. I was on the mountain. I saw him transfigured. I saw his face shining like white. Surely it's going to be me if it's going to be anybody. And then Jesus just looks at him with those eyes and he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. See, I think Satan knew exactly that Simon was flaky, that he wasn't as much of a true disciple, uh, you know, so strong and solid as he was kind of claiming to be. And even Peter's next statement is that kind of protest. Oh, no, Jesus, no, Jesus, I'll stay with you. Oh, Lord, I'm ready to go with you right to the very end, all the way, Jesus. But Satan knew the flakiness of Peter and had had demanded. I don't know what goes on in those interchanges between God, Jesus and Satan. But somehow Satan, Jesus granted Satan permission to sift Peter because Jesus knew that that Peter's faith ultimately was going to come through. But then Jesus Jesus says, Peter, I tell you, even before the rooster crows three times, you, you'll deny that you know me. And then we have the story um, where Jesus is betrayed by Judas, which is utterly horrible. He says, Judas, would you betray the son of man with a kiss? I'm sure Jesus was affectionate with the disciples and I don't know whether they greeted each other with a kiss as a customary thing but certainly in the New Testament Paul talks about greeting one another with a holy kiss and so maybe that was their custom that they would and Judas comes up and kisses Jesus who up until this point everyone assumed was his friend and his lord and his rabbi and now he's coming up to kiss him only to expose him to the lynch mob who are hiding in the shadows with their torches and so on but Jesus says said to him Judas would you betray the son of man with a kiss 
And so there's this little scuffle and we won't go into that right now. But then they led Jesus away. And verse 54 is so profound because it says, and Peter was following at a distance. And I think that's such a revealing statement. Peter was following at a distance. And I think so many people who claim to be a disciple of Jesus are actually following at a distance and we're maintaining a bit of distance between us and the awkwardness of being a disciple, of really bearing the shame and the reproach that Jesus bore. Sometimes to follow Jesus means that we will have to take it on the chin and suffer shame and suffer being treated as an outcast or an intellectual um I don't know, intellectual outcast, somebody who's not smart because they're following these outdated beliefs and so on. And and Peter is following at a distance. And so when he, and this distance is really important because if we're following at a distance, denial is so much easier. If we're walking close, we can't deny, can we? Because we're together. I can't be walking with Jesus closely and then somebody says, ah, you're one of his followers and he stood right next to me and I'm like, what? Who's he? I can't do that. That's just total nonsense, isn't it? So if we're really close, there's no pretense, but because Peter is backed off and is following at a distance and, and once again, where is what is the proximity between me and Jesus today? Is Jesus moving on into some stuff or leading me on into some stuff that I'm feeling hesitant about and I'm just holding back and holding back and holding back and the distance is opening up between Jesus and and me. And so again, as we come to the Lord's table, there's a great moment to take stock and say, Jesus, I, I can feel there's a distance between us. Let me draw close. Let me repent. Let me change my heart. Whatever's making me hold back I'm gonna change my heart about that now and just come back to you in the book of Revelation Jesus says you've forgotten your first love repent therefore repent and do the things you did at first forgetting our first love is a dreadful um, malaise that comes into our spiritual life And then the only remedy for that is for us to repent and come back to him hungrily and eagerly and do the things we did at first. Anyway, so Peter's following at a distance. This is the same Peter who's clearly identified Jesus as the Messiah, my Lord and my God. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you but actually my father who is in heaven. So Peter, this is the same Peter, and it's really important that we understand that. This is not somebody who's never known. This is somebody who has truly known who Jesus is, who's had it revealed to him by the father himself. And now Peter is backing off and he's hesitant and he's unwilling to go all the way into that place of carrying the same shame that Jesus had to carry and deal with and the persecution and the risk to his own life, obviously. So it wasn't just a reputational issue for Peter. This was literally 
his whole life was at threat. But he's already just said, oh, I'll go all the way with you, both to prison and to death. So I'm happy to lose my reputation. I'm happy to lose my life. Less than the time it takes from whatever time in the evening they were having the um, the meal together to the time when the cock crows, Peter has backed right off from Jesus. And so what we realise is that even around that table, in that holy moment with the Messiah, the hearts of the disciples were nowhere near where they thought they would be where they thought they were perhaps and in their own estimation and so Jesus is and Satan is also in this picture kind of using the frailty and the vulnerability of these guys hearts to separate them away from Jesus and we know that actually at the final point of the crucifixion it was only the disciple the disciple John and Mary the mother of Jesus her sister and uh, Mary Magdalene who were there at the cross and so they'd all been terrified and left and run away but anyway so here we then have Peter in the courtyard following at a distance trying to keep an eye on what's going on but not fully engaged not not identified closely with Jesus servant girl sees him says this man was with him he says no and so on and he denies him three times denies Jesus three times verse 60 it says but Peter said man I do not know what you are talking about and some of the gospels say he actually swore an oath at that time he said I don't know what you're talking about and immediately while he was still speaking the rooster crowed and the Lord turned and looked at Peter Verse 61, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he'd said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Man, that verse 61 there where it says, and the Lord looked at Peter. Can you imagine how, how Peter must have felt at that moment? And I'm sure any one of us, as we read the bit where he went out and wept bitterly, we would think, wow, I'd be doing exactly the same. Those eyes of Jesus that had looked on Peter so many times with such love and compassion and humour and sometimes burning with that fiery righteousness of God, you know, and Peter, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said to him one time, didn't he? That fire coming out of those eyes and now that Jesus is there and he's bound and he's been beaten and he looks at Peter. And Peter, in that moment, is face to face with the reality of his own heart. Now, we have that beautiful moment later on when Jesus restores Peter And he asked him three times, do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? And Peter has to get real. And to start with, he's trying to say, Jesus says, do you love me like a brother? Uh, Or do you love me with agape love, that sacrificial love? And Peter says, I love you like a brother. Peter is only able to say, I love you like a brother. I, I I don't love you like you love me, Jesus. And then Jesus restores him and says, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. 
and so on. But it just struck me how profound that in that short space of time, Peter had withdrawn to being just following at a distance to actually denying Jesus three times. And, and it struck me again as well that even in the time from going to bed to getting up in the morning and beginning our day in the early hours of the day, we can have already denied Jesus in some way by our actions, by our thoughts, by where our our scrolling has taken us on our phone or, or any of those things. And there's something about just keeping close to Jesus and, and allowing his eyes to connect with ours somehow to just to remain in that place of tenderness and and proximity to Jesus and so when you next share the the Lord's table with somebody or with the church family of God let that be a moment to take stop but let's not wait for the next time that we're in church sharing communion together let's daily take stop early in the morning say Jesus draw me close to you today let me walk in close proximity with you. Let my heart not be prized away from you so that I start observing things from a distance, from an outside. There's so many people today who are claiming to be followers of Jesus and yet have become like Peter and are following from a distance, observing from a distance, critiquing everything, but lost, have lost that place of true intimacy with Jesus. And so my prayer today for me and for you, everyone who will listen to this, is Jesus, keep my heart close to you. Keep my heart welded to yours, Lord. Let me be in that place of true intimacy. Let me not be just doing a kind of intimacy that satisfies me because I've done this or that or I've ticked that box but let it be true intimacy where I can hear your voice and see those eyes reading the very inside of my heart. In your precious name, Jesus. Amen. God bless you, everyone. Have a wonderful day. If you've enjoyed this podcast, that's brilliant. That's exactly what I hope for. Please do share it, like it, pass it on, get it out there. Thank you so much. Have an amazing day.